Hey guys, welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. This week, we're returning some videotapes because we're watching American Psycho. I don't know what I was going to say there. Yo guys, welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. So this week we're doing American Psycho. I am one of your hosts, I'm Sean. And I am Zach. And spoilers! I just want to get that out uh, at the top because we're going to kind of analyze this movie and definitely talk about, uh, like, all of it. Yeah. Um, so this week we're doing American Psycho. This movie has a hard R rating. As a matter of fact, this movie was originally an NC-17. They had to remove about 18 seconds of footage. We'll talk about it because it's probably not footage you would have expected. It's probably not footage I saw. Um, this movie runs an hour 41 minutes. It was directed by Mary Heron. It had a budget of $7 million and made $34.3 million in the box office. It has an IMDb score of 7.6 and came out in the year of 2000. It's also a novel adaptation. By Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah. And uh, Brett Easton Ellis wrote another book, The Rules of Attraction, which is actually made into another film. Yeah. There's uh, it. And then the lead character in that book is brothers with the lead character in this book. Oh, that's right. You just told me that. I knew there was some weird, like, uh, subconscious reason why I picked this movie and totally blocked that out that we even got. I think we, yeah, we talked about it kind of recently. Just on the side, we had touched uh, based on a couple of things, and I think that even at that point we were like, let's just cover it. Hmm. Um, well, and then I was just, honestly, I just didn't know what to pick, and I was like, Ugh, I don't feel like trying to pick something that like I don't care to watch, because it's going to make it harder to watch this week. So, let's do this, because I know we wanted to, and uh, I haven't seen it in a bit. Well, and so actually, yeah, when was, uh, when was the first time you saw this movie? When was the last time you saw this movie? Oh, first time I watched this movie... <sighs> I think I was maybe like 17, 18, maybe a little bit older, maybe 19. And uh, I think it might have been on TV or, no, I think it was on HBO. We had HBO with our Comcast package. And uh, so, you know, no commercials, which is pretty cool. And you get to see movies like that and it's not censored. But I'm pretty sure I watched it with my mom, oh. which might not have been the greatest decision, although... That's a bit of a yikes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, in uh, the last time I saw it, uh, I can't even really remember. Sure. But probably within the last two years, maybe. Not sure. So, I haven't seen this movie probably since 2013. I haven't seen this movie since it came out, dude. I went and saw it in theaters. I saw this, yeah, I saw this in theaters when it came out in 2000. I was uh, eight. eight. <laughs> Eight years old, so you know. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, "This sucks." No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> um, where's Spider Man? Yeah, so I mean, I saw this movie for the first time maybe when I was like 15. I was in high school. I I had this thing where I would seek out movies that were like kind of like brutal or disturbing, or maybe yeah. would look for yeah, things that had more edgy. context. I was uh, trying to be, yeah. I think, but. Um, I actually, like, really loved this movie and bought it and had it and watched it a lot. Like, probably upward of 20 times and then just haven't seen it in the last, like, five or six years. So I was, like, really excited when you picked it because all I remembered was there was a lot of, like, deep sarcasm and, like, brutality. But yeah. I hadn't seen it in a while, so it was like, oh, cool, a refresher on this because I know there's a lot of things that I liked about it, but I don't quite remember what. yeah. Um, so a, re a really quick, like, recap of this movie, uh, we follow Patrick Bateman, a 27-year-old businessman, uh, on Wall Street. Yeah, Pearson Pierce. Pearson Pierce. He works in mergers and acquisitions by Does day. Does he really? Well. Do we know that? We'll get there. By day, uh, and by night, murders and, like, sex chops tapes. up and sex, oh. uh, videotapes himself, uh, murdering, works having out. sex with women. So, the movie, as the movie goes on, though, we are led to question if that is the reality for Patrick Bateman. Yeah. This, this movie fucks me up every time. 
And I don't think I'm intelligent enough to really, like, decipher this movie. Like, I get some of it, but at the same time, I'm like, what is this movie really trying to say? Sure. Well, so this movie is described as a drama and a thriller. I I can see that. I have personally always seen this movie as a comedy. Uh, It's definitely a sci-fi. Yeah, it's a sci-fi comedy. It's definitely a period piece. (laughs) Well, the 80s, dude, yeah. Some of the technology in this. Um, Which I love, by the way, though. I love him having, like, the tape deck that he's carrying around with him and, like, uh, the big cell phone or uh, the huge video camera that he's, like, filming everything with. Yeah. Um, Where you have to have a tripod. Yeah, exactly. This movie... So I always saw it as a comedy... I did a little bit of research after watching it again, and apparently a lot of people see this movie as a comedy. Oh, there are definitely... There's two specific moments that really made me go, like, this movie's kind of a comedy. So 27-year-old Patrick Bateman uh, lives in New York. He is engaged to his fiancée... Okay, which I barely remember. Oh, Evelyn. Evelyn. Which I I don't... I always forget her name because she's in this movie for, like, an accumulative five minutes. I mean, she's like there. I mean, she's there spread out throughout the movie. But, but she has maybe she's five like minutes in the intro, time. and then then and, and then, then and when and they and break and up and and at and the end. Well, no, and then there's the Christmas party. Oh, sure. And I think they go to dinner one more time too. Maybe they might. Which their interactions to me are hilarious because it's always like, just basically them ignoring each other. Yeah. Like, he has headphones on, literally ignoring her. Yeah. Oh, that's um, right, in the car. Scene. In the car, in the t- in the cab. And then later when they're in the restaurant, when he does end up, like, breaking up with her, she's, like, uh, he's, like, saying, I don't want to be, I don't want to do this. And she keeps being, like, oh, what, you can't get, like, can't get time off work, can't do this, can't yeah. get that. She, like, won't accept it from him. And then he's finally, like, I'm at a really tough point right now, and I don't want to be with you. Yeah. You don't make a scene. And then she starts to make a scene anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh. So you kind of realize, like, well, uh, there's so much about this movie that there is to talk about. Like, this movie, is a, a lot of it is about, like, classism. Yeah. And, like, their relationships are a really huge example of that, because she clearly just wants that, like... She just... To be with him, because he's this, like, successful guy on Wall Street. But at the same time, like... He, like, gets away with, or doesn't, uh, a lot of shit in this movie because he's, like, a rich guy. Like, a good-looking rich guy. Like, the prostitute that he picks up the second time, like, he's able to coerce her because he has money. And, like, there's things, you know what I mean? Which, that's, like, another brutal, like, aspect of this movie is that, like, that sort of dynamic between him and the prostitute. Because you don't ever really quite know what happened the first time. The first time when he gets the call girl, too, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is that a call girl? Yeah, I mean, it is. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, he literally called for a girl, so, you know. Yeah, literally. If that's not a call girl, call uh, call girl. <laughs> There's just a lot of, a lot of this movie is also left to the imagination, which I appreciate because they do uh, show drives, a lot. That kind of drives me nuts, though. They do show a lot, though, but they also don't show a lot. Because well, I feel like this movie almost shows more sex than violence. Yeah, probably. I guess uh, you're kind of talking about that in a different way than I guess what I was meaning, just because, like, it makes me question the reality in this movie. Well, here, let's run through the recap really quick, and we'll talk about that, because that's one of the major themes in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I like this movie so much, but, like, at the same time, it's, like, so frustrating, because I'm like, wow, that was entertaining, but then I'm like, but I don't get it. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll shine the light on it today. Um... So Patrick, I will know what is written. So Patrick works with um, a group of his friends who regularly mistake each other. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Which is super funny. It's so but, weird, but it plays yeah. a huge part in the movie, the fact that everybody's constantly mistaking who everybody is. And through the movie, we watch as Patrick slowly kind of loses his grasp on reality, and he even explains that he's not really Patrick Bateman. There is nothing below the surface. He is only the surface. He kind of explains that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, there's a specific point that I made sure to write down because I was like, this pretty much sets up the whole movie. Right. But at the same time, that's what I mean is like, there's stuff where, there's scenes where I'm like, so did this really happen or no? And actually, it's pretty much like the whole movie. I'm like, did this happen or no? Because of how things just work out. Well, and I have kind of a theory on that too. So, um... 
Oh, man. There's like three or four... So the first confrontation that we see Patrick have that turns violent, I believe, is with the hobo. Yeah. Whom he stabs to death and then stomps the dog to death. Which is really sad. You don't really see it, but it's still hard to watch because you hear the dog and just seeing how aggressive he is about it. A lot of this movie is like that, though. And, no, but absolutely. It's done I'm just a, saying like, for those dog lovers, though, that are oh, like, for sure. oh, I can't watch anything where someone kills a dog. Like, well, I, I was just going to say, it's, it's hard done, to watch. But it's it, done you know, in a way that... It really does, like, you feel like you're seeing it, even though they don't really... Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. um, And then, I mean, really from there, you just kind of watch the violence leak into his, like, life. We see him losing his shit over very, like, small things, like business cards. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That restaurant? Yeah. God, Dorcia? uh, Constantly talking about Dorcia? I don't think it was Dorcia. I think it was a different one. Was it? Well, which which restaurant? They go... I don't remember the name of it, but they go to the restaurant. He's with Evelyn. And he's like... This is right after the scene with the the headphones in the car. And they're ignoring each other. He he has that monologue where he's like, I'm nearly in tears because I'm afraid we're not going to get a decent table. Right. But then then I see we are and uh, it crashes over me like a wave of coolness or something like that it's just like so strange he also goes through he goes on these like these monologue like diatribes about pop culture yeah like he'll talk about like a which different, i love i actually really enjoy those parts no like, i do too he'll talk about like whitney houston or huey lewis and then he's really passionate about music but then he'll do the same thing with like serial killers yeah like, he, he like he's he quoting ed Gein at one point yeah and like and yeah uh, talks about ted bundy but everybody reacts to both the same way. They're like, who's that? Yeah, and then they'll they'll think that he's some, like, designer or something. That, to me, kind of makes me feel like... Because it's obviously intentional. This was all written. All, almost all of this dialogue... I Actually, I believe all of the dialogue in the film comes from the book. I want to say that the reason that they do that so much is to show you that he is actually the most, like, real person in the movie because everybody <laughs> else is just saying whatever because they want to be cool, the same as he does... Only he's acknowledged that that's just his outer self. He he kind of has like a like a god complex about himself. Oh sure, and he kind of, in a weird way, not necessarily in like I have superpowers, but in a weird way, he kind of, I feel like he views himself as like omnipotent compared to everyone else. Like he's like oh definitely he's he's not really human. He's like this force. Well. And the movie starts to push you to believe that maybe that's the case. So as the violence rises in his life and the tension rises in his life, uh, Patrick starts to slip. And after uh, committing kind of a, a mass murder, a police murder with a pistol, because he ends up blowing <laughs> that police car up with his gun, which, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I want to talk about that scene because he even looks confused and looks at the gun like, what? Right. This is that weird scene where it's kind of like, this is kind of tough to call because it's like, is he going insane and being like, did that really just happen? Or is he going, oh, shit, what have I done? Yeah, exactly. It's very, like... It's hard to tell what he's thinking. Exactly. And he doesn't talk about it. So it's like, shit, what is happening in this movie? Did he really just, like, blow up that car and now, like, no police are after him? Actually, let me step back for a second because I missed something else that's a little more important. So after murdering Paul Allen, one of his uh, co-workers, financial business associates... Um, a a police detective starts to become suspicious of him. Yes. And that is where the tension begins to rise for Patrick, where he starts to kind of lose grasp on his control. Yeah. And this is where the violence starts to rise. And then after his shooting of the cops and blowing up a cop car, he calls his lawyer and confesses his crimes. Right. The next day, he wakes up, goes to Paul Allen's apartment, which he has been using uh, to keep the bodies of the people he's been killing. Yeah, it's gross. But no, nothing's there. It's completely and clean. And it's all painted over. And he has this weird reaction with this lady. Yeah. Almost like she knows exactly what's been going on and just cleans it up. But at the same time, she's kind of like, what the hell are you doing in this house? Because he does sneak past her. He sneaks yeah, past them to go someone. into it. Right. And she goes, oh, you must be my two o'clock. Yeah. And he says no. Yeah. And actually, with the reason, the way she ca- kind of catches him is she says, oh, you must have seen my ad in the paper. And he says, yes. And she goes, I didn't have an ad in the paper. Interesting. After that, he goes to work. He runs into his lawyer, whom he left the message uh, for last he, night. He goes, uh, is he at work? I thought he does like go to, well, he goes to, like, 
Because that's what they do. They that's, just that's the they thing. Make is he, they never work. For I know. Yeah. Like what the fuck do they do? And after having a confrontation with his lawyer, he kind of realizes that Paul Allen is still alive because the lawyer just spoke with or just had lunch with him. Yeah, but last week. Here's the thing: is like you don't really get a time frame of this movie. You, you do you ever really know what day it is? Not really. But here's the other aspect of that: is the lawyer also doesn't believe that he's Patrick Bateman. Yeah, he thinks he's someone else. Yeah. But that's the thing. That makes me think like, shit, is he really someone else and he's not Patrick Bateman and he made that dude up? Okay, so that's the movie. That's or, like the movie. Yeah. Now, that's my recap. Now we're going to start okay. talking about right. shit. So if we hadn't already spoiled this movie for you and you hadn't already seen it, I'm sorry. I definitely tried to warn you. Yeah. Um. Okay. Get out now. Exactly what you're saying was what I was thinking about when I was watching it this time specifically. So when he goes on this monologue in the beginning about I am not Patrick Bateman, I am not real. Because uh, what he Fuck, says, I forgot about that shit. He says there is no real me. Yeah. But throughout the movie, everybody's mistaking him for someone else. Yeah. So maybe he's not Patrick Bateman. I don't think so. I think um, he kind of made him up. But that's the thing: is Evelyn calls him Patrick. His friends call him Patrick. That's true. Well, here's it's weird too, though, because when Paul Allen and he had his card just Patrick before Bateman. the business card scene. Um, he calls himself Pat Bateman at one point. Yeah, he, Pat. I love that. It's almost so to like to like fluff it up and be like, "Oh, I'm harmless." Totally. Which well, that's Take the other that thing. Off. He throughout the movie has multiple like uh, scenes where he'll like start talking about ways to be to, humane and to like be a humanitarian. Yeah, kinda. it's so interesting. Like in someone um, like really early in the movie, within the first like five minutes, someone makes a, an anti. Uh, Semitic remark and he like yeah he, he like gets defensive about it and like tells them to knock it off yeah and not, so I was not really in an aggressive way though it just it, it's more he's more cool about it he is super cool just about it calls him out but he's very like like smart about it and very like yeah he's like what does that have to do with anything exactly and so he kind of does play this field of like no I'm a good guy and I mean, yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, you never experience him being like racist or anything. No, he, or well, homophobic even. I think that the only time necessarily that, the only time I think he's homophobic is when Lewis confronts him in the bathroom and he washes the gloves. That's different. But did you notice that he washes the gloves? That was odd. I was like, oh, weird. I never noticed this. I felt like it was more because he had his hands around his neck and he was about to like choke him out. Maybe. Sure. Well, but Lewis also like kisses his arm. He kisses his hand. He, like, yeah. pulls the... the it was very weird. Um, which, that's another, like... Which, also, did he have his dick out the whole time? Because he, like... I think he did. Because he kind of looks down for a second. Yeah, he stares at it for a bit. He's like, you gonna touch this thing or what, man? Um, which, I, that's something I never noticed about in this movie is, like, the whole dynamic. I, I knew Lewis was, like, a gay character because I've seen this movie and because they kind of lean into it if you watch him in the movie. He's, oh, like, yeah. all over Patrick. But it's funny because he just... Uh, they just... Call him Goofy. Yeah, he calls him dimwitted. He, he never calls him any sort of, like, gay slur or no, anything no. like that. Which is super interesting, but also, like, nice to see. But I never realized that Courtney was Lewis's girlfriend. Oh, or really? wife or fiance. And that Pat, Patrick's, like, having a like relationship her. with her. And she is, like, super into him and he doesn't really care. He's just using her. But then Lewis is, like, super into him, and he, like, doesn't give a fuck about Lewis. I yeah. was like, damn, dude, all these people are so just, like, disposable to him. Yeah. But they're also attracted to him. It's so strange. It's like, uh, well, they, it's like the prayers, dude. That's what uh, gives them power. I also want to fucking say, dude, Justin Theroux is, like, the most underrated actor in this movie. Do you realize who the fuck he is? I don't, but I know, like, I knew his name. So, I didn't really, like, know who he was until I was watching Zoolander and was like, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, shit. He's the fucking, like, weird DJ in <laughs> Zoolander that breakdance fights with Hansel. Yeah, I forgot about him. And then he plays him again in the second movie and actually has, like, lines in it, and it's pretty funny, but yeah. it's also, like, this is way over the top. That's so fucking But he's funny. in a lot of good shit, and he was uh, Timothy Bryce. And I was like, oh, fuck, I never realized that was that guy. I think he's also married to Jennifer Aniston. There is a conversation in the beginning of the movie about Paul Allen. Uh-huh. I don't. I wish I had written down exactly what it was, but it's a conversation of people mistaking who Paul Allen is. Huh. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking funny because they're they're foreshadowing. They're kind of leaning into like this idea of like, oh no, I saw him in like London. Everybody says they saw him. 
See, that was the thing. Was like the guy's like, no, that's impossible. I just had dinner with him or lunch or whatever ten days ago in London. It's like, dude, he could have killed him after that ten days, right? That's why I was like, do we know where the timeline is? Because uh, yeah, well, I I wish I had written that down because I'm sure that um, throughout the movie, Kimball does kind of give you an idea of how long it's been. De- Detective Kimball is you get a couple of Willem Dafoe. Yeah, oh, which is Willem awesome. Dafoe. He kills it, in this and movie like this too. is totally so. This was before Green Goblin. I feel like this is what where what made them go like that's our Green Goblin because he kind of has like he that. does that whole thing yeah. like he's just oh I love Willem Dafoe dude he's such a good actor I love him in this movie I love his character in this movie he's so like um, I kept getting his role mixed up in this though and thinking it was from uh, Boondock Saints where oh. it's like the cop slash the uh, yeah but he's like a cross dresser oh there's a scene where he cross dresses. I thought they kind of alluded to him like doing it frequently, though. It was uh, just one time. Maybe they might have, right. but they only do it once in the movie because he uses I think it was using it to yeah, exactly yeah. to get leverage or something, uh, which is kind of hilarious but weird. Like, because if somebody like really looked at him, they'd be like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> like, well, the phone's a pretty like. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're not coming in here, looking person, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie was filmed in 99, and there was a couple of things that uh, kind of caught me off guard. Smoking indoors. <laughs> I was like, oh, weird. I remember that, kind of, but, like, I was so, like, young. I, I don't know. Funny story. My mom and my grandma used to take me to bingo when they would do kids bingo. Yeah. And the bingo hall was divided by this big glass wall. <laughs> and on the other side was the, the smoking, smoking section, section. And it was just, like, a cloud. <laughs> and it was like, oh, God. Like, it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll see a body like go like. like I felt like someone smoke. was gonna come walking out of there, <laughs> looking like they had just like were on fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so funny. There's just one dude in fi- on fire in there. <laughs> <laughs> put me out! Put me out! Um, Oh, well, before we jump into anything else, we get to see his ass at 5 minutes and 42 seconds <laughs> for all the ladies out there. I oh, definitely yeah. wrote that one down. Uh, I'm pretty sure you see the back of his balls at one point, too. You definitely do. Yeah. Because, well, you also get and a then, little bush action yeah, when he's getting the, the tan. Yeah. yeah. So, good on you, movie. Uh, I think... The, good on you for showing it all. That <laughs> also kind of goes to show how attentive we are to uh, male nudity. So. Yeah, that's what I, He's 25. He was like peak Christian Bale. That dude, like, honestly, I, the the one thing that makes me love this movie the most is fucking him. Oh, yeah. There's some parts where I'm like, the acting's kind of weird at this point, which usually it's with uh, fucking Jean. She's a terrible actress in this, at least in this movie. Oh, really? I think she has terrible acting. Interesting. Honestly. So, um, Chloe Savini, or Chloe Savini. Is that? That's the actress that plays Jean. She made her uh, film... Appearance in Kids alongside Rosario Dawson. Uh-huh. Uh, that movie... If you think this movie's fucked up, don't watch that movie. That's what I'll say. I don't think she's a bad actress. That's interesting that you say that. Well, I don't think she's bad in this movie. <laughs> I was actually going to argue that she may be one of the most genuinely, like... She's, like, the only actress in this movie that gets to emote. True, but she... There's just times where, like, it just feels so forced or, like, they were too quick with their lines or something. I don't know. It could be editing. I can see that. Here's the other thing with this. It just made it feel like... But it it just seemed like it was her. I feel that. The reason I like it, though, is he's constantly addressing her being, like, a sad sack. At the end of the movie, after he's made his confession... negative or something, right? Well, yeah, he, uh, he calls her when he's, like, having his, like, breakdown the next day. Uh, right before she finds his, like, planner. No, yeah, his planner. Which, that's the... something else I want to talk about. See, that's, like, what I mean is, like, the fucking reality just gets pulled apart and, like, smushed back together in this movie. Yeah. Constantly. It's this weird wave. Well, so, yeah, he's having this, like, breakdown and, like, she's, like, there's clearly something wrong with him. And she's, like, are you okay? Because she, like, wants to be there for him. Yeah. That's is... the other thing is, like, it kind of just seems like she's into him. She's into him and she knows that she's not, like quote-unquote, in his league. Yeah. But at the same time, she's like, well, if I had that chance, and like this movie, they almost do. This movie, from her perspective, is a totally different it's a like, love, movie. It's like a love story. <laughs> exactly. And then from his perspective, it's like, every, this movie really is like a love story from the perspective of a fucking psychopath who just happens to be, like, losing his goddamn mind. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't know. I would. That's why I would kind of argue that I liked her in this movie because she gets to emote, and she's the only person that really gets to emote, other than people that are being like murdered. Well, fair enough, but like you can still emote and not like deliver it that well. Yeah, like that's fair. that's what I mean is that like the delivery isn't the best. I don't know. I didn't. And I haven't seen her in other movies, or at least that I know of. So I don't know if I just think she's a bad actor or if she just didn't really performed to what I would have wanted in this movie, which, I mean, that's all the things that everyone hates now, too, is what other people want, but it's like, well, I could just see this being a different way. That's just... Well, speaking of what other people want, this movie was kind of, like, panned for being, like, kind of sexist because of all the violence done to women in this movie. Well, this movie was actually directed by a woman. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of an interesting concept, this idea of a woman taking this idea and being like, oh, I kind of get it. I kind of get what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. I want to try to, like, show people this uh, in the way that it kind of, like, backfired on her. Mm. It's just interesting. It's very interesting. The way that Chloe Savini's uh, performance backfired for you. That's what I was kind of getting at. <laughs> you like that? Gotcha. This movie has, like, a ton of really, like, brutal quotes, and that's, like, one thing that <laughs> I think in my, my mind kind of adds to the the line of what's real and what's not real in this movie because during the bar at the bar in the beginning of the movie he like, said you're like an ugly fucking bitch yeah he says I want to well, stab you in the face I want to stab you to death and play with your fucking oh, guts yeah. is what he says play with, your, play, play with your blood yeah yeah with your blood and so like I was just like my god but n- nobody is faced well and he like kind of shouts it too but you also like you have to take in like the surroundings like he's in a club they're blasting sure. loud music she's at least like five feet away from him and turned around. But that's the thing and is doing something. Here's what and here's what I love about this movie is as the movie goes on, he'll keep doing this. He'll keep saying things like this, but this the the setting will start to kind of uh, dampen itself to the point that it's kind of a quiet room and he's saying like I like to murder people. Yeah, and people like, are just like not addressing it. Like at all. they're kind of in a club, and I think this is the point you're gonna bring up. Uh, the girl's like, uh, "What do you do?" Or she's like, "What are you into?" Yeah. He's like, uh, "I'm into." He says, "Murders uh, and executions." Murders and executions. Uh, and he's like, "What do you ask?" And then she says, "Do you like it?" And he goes, "He's like, uh, sometimes or like it depends." And he's like, "What do you ask?" She's like, "Well, most guys in uh, mergers and uh, mergers and acquisitions yeah. uh, don't like it." But he has this, like, weird look. And yeah. Just, but I love that. I was like, oh, that's so cool. And that's that's that thing where it's like, is he just thinking this during this conversation, even though he said the right thing? Or did she hear him wrong? Right. You know, like, it's... And, that, and that's still early enough like, that you're kind of wondering, where, like, oh... Well, it's, like, somewhere in the middle of the movie. It's, like, right in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then again at the end of the movie during the breakup scene with Evelyn, he tells her, like, I have an unquenchable bloodthirst and I, <laughs> like, I'm on a murderous rampage and she, like, totally doesn't address it at all. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, now that we're talking about his murderous rampage, it reminds me of the end scene when he is doing the, like, the gun kata where he's going around shooting everybody with his infinite ammo. And he, I didn't think about that before, which is really funny. I mean, yeah, like, not only does he blow up t- like, two cop cars with a pistol, he, like, does infinite ammo. I mean... You shoot the gas tank and oh, okay. you know, the sparks and the uh, igniting of the flames and then the explosion. It's just, uh, I mean, I, you know, I've seen movies. Well, I, I've I seen played Grand Theft Auto at least once. Yeah, I mean, um, during that right. scene, there's a um, he like runs through a, a lobby uh, and like, <laughs> okay, this well, is- when he shoots the uh, like security guard at the front desk, and then he's and then running. He's running out. You yes. hear the elevator ding. He runs out the revolving door, sees the janitor coming out of the so elevator, he comes and back he comes in. through the revolving door, like, he's still in the revolving door, and he goes, like, looks over his shoulder, and then, like, comes back and shoots him, and goes through it again. Yes. I fucking lost my shit. I was, I was like, laughing. Oh, I, that's one of the moments where I was like, this movie's kind of a comedy. There's so many little things in this movie that I really love, um, like, when he goes through the literal affairs... When he's like, when they're sitting at dinner with the goths, it's Evelyn's cousin and her boyfriend. <laughs> Which was really weird. I know, I was and like, what like the hell? strange that they were all hanging out and they weren't like weird about it. It was kind of interesting though. It kind of makes you like, I don't know. That's like, where they had that conversation about uh, where he's like being a humanitarian. And- yeah. During that conversation though, he like, he goes through the literal affairs of him and his friends. And so he explains that like, 
he's having an affair with Courtney, and everybody kind of knows and doesn't care. And Evelyn's having an affair with his friend. Tim and, Rice. And he kind of knows and doesn't mm. care. And he just kind of like goes through all of these friends and their affairs, and I was just like, oh. And he says what's-her-face is like nearly perfect or something like that. Yeah. I. She looks nearly perfect. It's so interesting. Like, the way that this movie kind of deals with their whole, like, reality. Even beyond his... Like a crazy reality, or maybe yeah, they're all just not fucking reality. each other. <laughs> it's like they've taken this drama and kind of just been like, "Yeah, that's just what we do." That's okay. Yeah, it's like everyone knows, but nobody talks about it, and no one like, really cares. And they, all these guys are hanging out with each other <laughs> and like doing coke together and stuff. Like they don't care. Yeah. It's very weird. I love Justin Thoreau. We get one of my favorite quotes is is that Donald Trump's car? There's a couple of like Is parts. that Ivanka Trump? Yeah, like whatever. there's like a, so many of those like Trump. in this. I was just like, what the hell? Like I don't remember all these Trump like lines uh, in this movie. You know what's really funny is I feel like this movie's like that kind of tribute to him. Like like that's that's who Patrick Bateman was supposed to be, kind of sort of thing. In a way. You know what maybe. I mean? Well, I mean it is so this movie I know I've said that I see it as a comedy and everything, but this movie... It's actually a horror movie for the future. <laughs> this is... A, yeah, it's a... It's like a utopian future tale. Uh, or dystopian. Future tale. <laughs> future tale of dystopia. Oh, yeah. So this movie... This movie... I said it was a comedy, and I said that, you know, it's listed as a drama and a thriller, but the book was written as a satire, and so... I think that, well, just like, like you were saying, like the whole Donald Trump thing, this movie is kind of just a satire of that lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and classism and sexism. Yeah, and I feel like if you were to read it in a book, yeah, it'd probably come across more like a comedy. Sure. So, But it just works out in a movie better if it's more of a drama thriller. Well, it's they funny. just, like, turn it up. This movie had something in which I n- actually never made this connection before, but have you seen Us yet? Yeah, we talked okay, about okay. it. Right, you did. Okay, cool. If you guys haven't seen us, skip ahead like 30 seconds. I'm, we're not going to really get into it. I just wanted to talk about something really quick. So this movie reminds me of us in a lot of ways because it's kind of like taking this kind of comedic story because of the way that everything is being told, because of the end results, because of the way that everything is being addressed, and then playing it super straight. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie and us kind of both do. Because, and I mean, I've already talked about, not on here obviously, but I've already talked to you about, with you about my opinion on us and how I think it's kind of a, a comedy played straight because of, like, the ending and the way that it's kind of like, what the hell is this? Like, what even just happened? Yeah. Um, and I think this movie's kind of the same way. Right. Okay. That's it for the us spoilers. Okay. Um, even though I didn't spoil it at all, but still, there's yeah. like... Um, <laughs> yeah, true. We didn't spoil anything. We get... Oh, there is the scene where Patrick says, I like to dissect girls. Don't you know I'm utterly insane? He says that to openly to his friends. To Paul Allen. Or to Paul Allen, yeah. Which, uh, when they're at Texarkana or something? Of like course, that. Paul Allen thinks that he's someone else. He thinks he's uh, Albert. Marcus. He oh, thinks Marcus he's Marcus something. Albert Stram or something like yeah. that. He's got this weird name. Um, yeah, he always thinks he's him. And it's because that first time you see Paul Allen, he's wearing those glasses, and he talks about the guy that he thinks he is because he walks in. Right, and they, they look kind of really similar. similar. Yeah. And it's funny, and he's just like, he just kind of thinks it's funny and just rolls with it. And then, well, and then that scene... The... He, he gets caught up in himself, too. He says, Jesus, Patrick. He's like, I mean, Marcus. Yeah, yeah, I love that. He, like, I, slips. I'd actually but... never caught that before. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie enough times or was, like, so invested into it to have, like probably remembered or noticed. But during, the, uh, you know, another comedic scene, in my opinion, the business card scene, where they're comparing the, their business cards to one of the funniest to, scenes in the whole movie, Allen. and I love this scene, and it drives me nuts. And I, I don't know uh, if you're listening, there's this fucking hilarious video on YouTube where somebody replaced all the business cards with Pokemon cards, and it's so fucking funny. Look it up, watch it. It kills me every time. Like, watching this scene, I was just thinking of that the whole time. But at the same time, I love this scene. I love how he, like... They all show off their cards, and then he's like, let's see Paul Allen's card. And then everyone kind of, like, does this weird thing where they kind of shudder and put their cards away. And, like, uh, uh, Tim almost, like, is, like, weird about pulling it out. And then he shows him, and he's, like, literally shaking. He's like, 
oh my god. And he's like, like sweating. I love this monologue. It's so great, too. And But I just love how they, like, care so much about this and how this is, like, a status figure kind of for them. Totally. But I also love it at the same time because then later, it's funny because the dude kind of takes note of it. Um, played Lewis. by uh Oh, wait. Yeah, Lewis. Who's oh. he played by? He's uh, Sam Raimi's brother. No. Isn't he? No. This isn't the dude from the Spider-Man movies? No, I've never seen that guy. That guy's name is Matt Ross. Okay. Oh, okay. my bad. So that guy's Matt Ross, not uh, Sam I'm a Raimi's fucking brother. idiot. Never mind. Um, I've... Don't think I've ever seen this guy in anything else. It looks like he, he looks was so in much like that dude. The Aviator and fa- oh, he's in Face Off. That's what I know him from. Nice. Uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Ted Raimi. Yeah. Don't they look alike though? They're. I, and and I think it's because I think they look alike because uh, of Ted Raimi in um was he he was in Evil Dead. He's dressed as a female Deadite in that movie. I thought he played him like uh kind of played himself normal in one of them. Ooh. I'm a fucking moron. Never mind. Don't listen to me. So, yeah, speaking of the Christmas scene, the, like, Christmas party scene, did you notice how that scene opens with, like, the boss guy looking at Patrick and going, hey, employee, what do you say? <laughs> he no. says, hey, employee, what do you say? No. Dude, I died. That's uh, what I mean. There's so many, like, little lines where I'm like, oh, these people don't fucking know anybody. Like, you, you can still question that and be like, who knows, dude? What if he was just fucking saying that? Just say it. <laughs> Like, to be For a jerk. Sure. I just thought, well, no, but, but then, uh, yeah, Patrick's res- immediate response is, have a holly jolly Christmas, and, like, walks away from him. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, so, I, I don't know. The reality of this uh, movie is just, like, undescribable for me because there's so many things. Uh, another thing that caught me uh, where I was, like, questioning the reality of this is when he says, I'll fucking kill you to the the lady in the, the Asian lady at the dry cleaners. And she goes like, Ay! Oh, yeah. Like, well, she gets out. like really offended, yeah. And then his like, and then this the, girl he knows like comes she, in. Yeah, and she sees what he has and she's like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's uh, cranberry juice. Cran apple. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. So I think that <sighs> this movie is so odd. I think that the killings don't actually happen. Like, any of them. I think that the prostitutes, I think he actually takes out. And I think the first time he does fuck with them... Although, I don't know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Because, like, that would mean he would have actually had to kill her the second time. Or she got away. I don't know. There's See, watching this movie, there's times when I'm like, oh, I think right here is where it's in his head. But then, like, thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know. That's the thing, is they place these things... Where he's not present and other people are seeing it. Like, well, I guess uh, Gene seeing his planner is a little different because that kind of just shows that it is all in his head and, like, he's probably just, well, you know, he's got something going on. Yeah. But at the same time, well, this could all still be real and everyone's just fucking oblivious to it because totally. of his, like, who he is and whatnot. But the cop always thinks it's him, or at least he's always there to question him and be like... Well, that's and that's another thing, and we haven't really talked about But then about you don't see him anymore after that, he's like, oh, he's not with you. That cop also, yeah, gives him an alibi. Yeah! Literally hands him an alibi after he's, like, making it very obvious that he has no idea what's happening. This movie's kind of difficult in that sense that it constantly leads you into, oh, he's getting caught, that's why he's losing his shit, and he's starting to, like like sweat a bunch and actually literally give himself up when he finally does call his lawyer at the end. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, like the officer hands him an alibi and that's it. That's that. That's that's that. That's Well, and you almost like every time he talks to him too cuz he's like, "Where were you the night he disappeared?" And he's like the the first time he says like I was that. returning some videotapes. Yeah, uh, I think he says uh, And then the second time he says I did like a face mask or something and ate some sorbet. Well, uh and then he goes uh no, then he says he went out with some girl. Right. And then he's like uh he's like that's not what my information says. And then they meet at the restaurant and that's when he's like uh yeah, I had a shower and and some sorbet, and right? Some that's sorbet. He gets to this point where he's he's like about caught and he's like he was talking about the guy that Paul Allen always thinks he is. And he's like, but then he said that that guy said you were with him at dinner. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I must have went out with her a different night. Right. Which he told her, told him about going out with the girl the first time. 
Okay. He's like he's like cluing him in to be like, no, tell me what like I want to hear. Yeah, it's it is very much so. Like I know that you've done something, but when that's that's kind of funny too, because during their first like uh, confrontation, when Kim uh, or Gimble goes up to his office and uh, he's just like letting him know, oh, your coworker's missing. Have you have you seen him at all? Uh, he Patrick says, are you cross examining me? And he says, does it feel like I am? And he goes. Not really. Yeah. Like, very quickly, not really. And I, lo- I love that, like, scene, because it's kind of funny the way it's cut. But he, like, he's he's not. Like, the cop, if you watch it, he's being honest. He kind of seems like he's being weird, but he is being honest with him the whole time. It's Patrick know. is the one like... that's, like, making it into something. And I think the movie's doing that, because it wants you to see it from Patrick's perspective. Right. Where he's, like, he's becoming suspicious of himself. Oh, okay, so he's really just kind of imagining him being, like... Like, uh, extra, like, I know you did something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. to where he's, like, tripping himself up. Right, I, that's what. That's the thing with this movie. It's It's got the unreliable narrator, so, like, you only know what Patrick tells you, and a lot of the time it contradicts itself. Yeah. And so you're like, well, what the fuck is real then? And that's why I feel like there's sometimes where you're like, oh, I think this is the line of, like... He didn't actually kill anybody yet, and this is the line of he has killed somebody. You know, I don't think he killed um, his his friend Elizabeth, the one the girl that he like yeah. murders while he's like banging her. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, I don't think he actually killed her or the pro- the the street prostitute. I think I don't think he Christy. killed. I don't think he killed the yeah the um, call girl. No, I he did he... kill the call girl. Oh, right, right, right. He, but she left with some really deep fucking scratches on her back. I think that did happen. Yeah, no, I, I think so too, because the even the prostitute was like, I had to go to the emergency room. I almost... Or is that part... I almost don't know if that second confrontation is real. Yeah. That's that's weird about this movie, is I feel like some of it's real. I feel like a lot of like the... Rampage. Like, yeah, and so I feel like... I feel like so, like some of the base confrontations with people, the com- conversations and shit are real, but the rest of it is us seeing kind of him almost daydreaming about what he wishes would have happened afterwards. Yeah. But but obviously he's losing grip on what's real and what's not because he believes that it's happening, but then we're kind of told that it didn't happen. Sure. Now, in the scene at the end when he's going through his building, I, I believe it's his building that he works at, because the guy says, like, oh, hey, so-and-so, don't forget to sign in, and then he just shoots him oh, in the Oh, no, that end. guy says, oh, hey, Mr. Smith, don't forget to sign in. Oh, yeah. He, gives, he just calls him by a different name. Yeah. It's another person mistaking him. So, But then does he go into another building, or is it the same one where he goes up to the guy, and he doesn't kill this guy, and he pulls out his pen, and he, like, goes, ha, and, like, signs in? It's a different one. It's a different building. It is a different yeah. building. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, it's kind of crazy how, like, he, go, he shot through this building twice and that guy doesn't know about it. Yeah, no, I think it's But that would building. be kind of that whole, like, reality-bending thing. I guess that's eh, different, though. Okay. And, and by that point, I definitely think that everything we see happen that night doesn't actually happen. Because the ATM tells him to feed him the stray cat. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and then that, shoots stuff, the lady. that stuff, I'm like, I don't think any of this is actually happening. I think yeah, this absolutely. is all in his head at this point. That's one of those things. And it's funny because I didn't think about it at that moment, even though my mind was already like, okay, I know this isn't real because the fucking ATM's not going to tell him to feed him a stray cat. Right. To where then he's like, going to like point his gun right at it and like shoot it in his hand. <laughs> well, he's like, what are you doing? The movie sort of does something that kind of leads me to believe that those things aren't happening too because like the confrontation with the hobo, like the very first time we see Patrick like enact violence... It's he's actually trying to be kind of humane with this guy and give him money, but he keeps asking him like, "Why don't you have a job?" And he's being kind of a dick about it, but well, he's, he's still he offering him money. He's being an asshole, but he's like gonna like help him or whatever. But then the guy touches him, and like dead. the music even cute kind of changes, and that's when you see Patrick be like, "Oh, no." Yeah. And so it's almost like like you said that God complex, but it's like it's got to be under Patrick's terms. Yeah. Like I'll help you. Don't fucking touch me, though. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. He's so, like, meticulous. And, like, but it's in those moments where he, like, kind of clicks. That's where I think reality stops. Because I think it's him, like, in his mind snapping because he's like, oh, don't fucking touch me. Yeah. But it's not what he's really doing. And so that's why I feel like some of this stuff, yeah, maybe. 
but maybe not. Like, so maybe the second confrontation with the prostitute where he goes to pick her up and she says no and walks away, I think that's kind of where that ended. Hmm. I think okay. she walked away. And then after that, it's him being like, oh, no, that's not how I wanted this to go. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love the scene where it's in the beginning where he's pulling off that face mask. And it's so cool because it's almost like he's pulling off this, like, like a cowl or yeah. something. But he's kind of, like, more of a villain at this point still. And he kind of monologues. And this is where, as, like, he kind of sets up the movie. He, this is what he says. He says, there is an idea of Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory and though i can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable i simply am not there yeah and i was like dude that's it's like pretty deep dark stuff and like yeah i don't know but we also get him watching like texas chainsaw massacre while working oh and casually watching porn yeah and casually just kind of like throws it on for background noise and his whole apartment's like all white and i love christian bill in this movie there's just so many like little acting choices he makes that i just love and he holds the accent pretty well the american accent pretty well he does an american accent really well because he doesn't he does in so many movies like there's another movie i guess Batman. Oh, sure. It's kind of just like a toned-down Patrick Bateman. From Bateman to Batman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. I mean, not in the sense that the characters are anything alike, although they probably can be kind of compared, but... Um, well, they're both psychopathic businessmen, so sure. I mean... <laughs> That's what I mean, is, like, it's kind of more this, like, opposite... It's like if if uh, Bruce Wayne was, like, actually Carnage, or the Joker, even. Sure, yeah. He's the Batman who laughs. Basically. Yeah, he kind of is. I wonder if uh, Scott Snyder kind of had any sort of oh, inspiration on that. I should ask him. Uh, as if I know him or yeah, something. Yeah, when you guys go to uh, dinner next time, ask him. You know, I, will, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of connection there in a way. Um, but, like, yeah, he's great at doing the accent. And I, I love him doing the accent. Like, it's so good. Yeah, well, and it only in this movie. Mia straight up didn't know that he was, like, British. And neither did anyone on the set for this movie. Because when they finished filming, off of cam, he would keep the accent to stay in care, Like, to keep to it. To not lose it. Right. Yeah. But once they stopped, he went back to his normal accent, and everybody thought he was prepping for a new movie. <laughs> so, That's so funny, dude. Um, which I think is hilarious, because he's been acting since he was a child. Yeah. What was his next movie, Batman? Um, Probably something else. No, but... it would have been something else. This oh, yeah, because this was in 1999. 2000. Batman Begins came out in 2005. I was going to say, because oh, he I actually he had to gain weight for that role. He beefed up. The score was really like interesting. I like it was the like score all over the this. place, but it always set the tone for the scene like perfectly. The but it was so I'm, different. All I'm the glad time. you brought that up because especially in the beginning credits for this movie, the opening credits are drops of what looks like blood. It turns out to be kind of like a fruit juice, and someone's preparing food is what it is. It's yeah, it's raspberry juice. Right. Oh yeah, because they're making like. Uh, uh, I don't think it's supposed to be necessarily raspberry juice. It's like a raspberry coolie or something. Right. Because they're making some sort of like uh, rib, prime rib, or something like that. But the music in it, when it's still just showing the, um, the kind of colors and like that, it looks kind of like blood still. It's like it's got that sort of tense thriller music. But yeah. then as it starts to kind of reveal itself to be someone cooking, it does very like naturally transition into being sort of just this like pretty score that yeah. kind of just takes you to this like oh it's a restaurant yeah. it like totally puts you in that mindset of like oh you're in a restaurant yeah um and like the score does that a lot in this movie where you'll be going like these really tense music strikes and like builds and then it'll just drop into like silence yeah. or it'll drop into like just the calmest like uh relaxation music and yeah. it's just like oh shit this movie has a lot of that though a lot of like um dichotomy i guess like at one point he's killing someone and then it jump cuts to him at a spa and so I was like, oh, he's literally like the two sides of Patrick. Yeah. You know, I love some of the imagery in, in this when, uh, when Gene does come to his house, which actually that was, that was what I wanted to talk about was when he finally makes the dinner plans with Gene. Cause she like is trying to like communicate with him through the movie. She's trying to like get his attention and he's like, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And, um, but he compliments her. Yeah, he does. He also, he, he kind of tells like, her to stop dressing the way she's dressing. Cause he doesn't like it. Yeah. It, which uh, maybe like sociopathic kind of oh well yeah um but he so he like kind of insults her but uh compliments her he's like you dress ugly you're prettier than that yeah and yeah. like but yeah he's like i don't like it he's like and i like heels it's interesting it's like he's constantly just being like 
Stop fucking complaining and just do better. Just yeah. be better. Yeah. Like, throughout the movie with her. Because she's, like, kind of looks like she's uh, accepted her sadness. And he's kind of just, like, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah. he doesn't want to, like, deal with it, you know? Which, this kind of makes me feel weird that I feel this way. But I kind of admire that about him. Uh, not necessarily that it's misogynistic or sociopathic. But just, like, that he's, like, so straight up. But it's... But he's not, like, trying to insult anybody necessarily. Or... Well, it's interesting, because he is, but at the same time, he's straight up for all the wrong reasons. That's true. So it's like, oh, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like he's straight up about do better or be better or be happy, but not really, because in, him, in his mind, happiness is your status or right. what people see you as. Sure. So that's why he's like, be happy, because it's basically his way of being like, I'm tired of looking at you being sad. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'm an asshole. That's kind of the way it, like, seems in this. Well, you didn't read it that way, though. Yeah, that's true. But that's what I mean, is it's sort of him just being like, my God, like, I keep you employed, like, at least fucking smile. Like, you know, like, he's like, I want to see a smile. Which is funny, because that's something that is still really important, and that's, I mean, even at my day job, I try and keep that up. Uh, oh, you know, sure. like, I have to talk to customers on the phone, and so, you know, I... Definitely make sure to kind of be more upbeat as, you know, oh, absolutely. answer the phone and my boss is talking to me. I try to be like, hey, good morning. What's up? I'm and the like, exact you know, opposite at work. This is different though. No, I, I know. Mean, I, I work me. in a different kind of setting to where it's like. <laughs> they it's, hate me. But yeah, so when he finally makes dinner, he asks where she would like to go. And just like everyone else in this movie, she asks to go to Dorcia. Well, and to me, what this was saying though was that she's that girl that would never get to go because of it's a status thing All right he can't even get reservations when he calls he's like i know it's which it's probably because it's late but when he calls he's like i know it's late but is there any way i can get reservations for uh eight or nine and the guy just fucking laughs well that's like, like the, the first time he calls yeah yeah and then he's pissed about it and yeah. then he lies about it when she's like well that's when he takes yeah well that's when he takes courtney though that that scene happens no, because Jean. but the second time when he calls the guy doesn't uh laugh at him because the way that conversation goes is he goes can i get a reservation for two at nine and the guy goes i'm sorry sir i don't have any openings and he goes oh thanks yep two for nine and then he like hangs up um no i think you are getting that confused no i know this one for sure because this is where gene goes because he goes uh, all right we're good uh we're good gene and she, she goes you didn't leave your name yeah. And he goes, the guy The guy knows me. Or they know me. Yeah, he says they know me. But it, he, he's never been there once. I just thought that oh, was yeah. funny. Like, that idea of, like, they know me. Like, he's that big of a fucking well, liar and egotistical person that he's like, no, everybody knows me and I'm, I'm the best. I, I kind of saw it more as just, like, uh... I mean, obviously it's a cover-up because he's... Right, and I mean that. So yeah, I get that. I don't know what I'm trying. But to But it was just so interesting. I guess that's what I mean. Is it is just so interesting against that character of him being this guy who never even gets into this restaurant once in the entire movie. Yeah, uh, but they're always talking about it. Yeah, because it's like it's the place. It's so weird. And Paul Allen's like, I can get a table there. They know me. The one time he has the chance to go, he doesn't take it. Well, and then when he, they go to the Texarkana, it's under the it's under Marcus. Well, and that's, that's when they're talking yeah. about it. That's when he's like, why don't we go to Dorcia? Well, and, and then when he kills him, he's like, trying to get your fucking reservation now, you fucking bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Some shit like that. Well, so during that Texarkana conversation, it's funny because Paul Allen uh, insults Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Which, I love that. I was like, oh man, these people are just so fucking... Like, well, so does his lawyer. They both call him lo a loser. Yeah, yeah. Or like a weirdo or something. Well, and it's just... I guess I like that about this movie because it's like this whole movie is you're seeing Patrick through his lens where he's like, I'm the shit. And then by the end of the movie, you finally see it through everybody else's lens where they're like, no, you're kind of a loser. Yeah, that, that is really interesting because he kind of sees himself as like, <laughs> like, I'm the fucking bee's knees. And like he puts in like fucking work. The dude's morning routine is insane. He can do a thousand fucking crunches now. Yeah, which Christian Bale according to Christian Bale, was doing the morning routine daily for this movie. I believe it. I do, too. He's fucking rocking. I do, too. It's just dude. nuts. I'm just like, damn, dude, he's 25. That's the part that I'm like, what? I love Christian Bale. Now, do you know who was originally, or not originally, but do you know who was going to be Patrick Bateman? Vince Vaughn. 
That's funny that you should say that oh, because Vince Vaughn Norman is Norman Bates in the Psycho yeah. remake. Uh, <laughs> um, I was saying that as a joke though, just to that's funny. You mad? He's like, I can't even do a Vince Vaughn impression. I bet he would be okay in this. I think it would be hilarious. Like if they made it even funnier. Sure. Well, that's the thing. If it was Vince Vaughn. This would have been straight up a comedy. Oh yeah, they would have leaned into it. Um, <laughs> I think. It was going to be um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I would see. I would like to see an older Leonardo DiCaprio be doing that. Same. Cause not necessarily like old, but like not like Titanic. I don't think Leo. he could have done it in his 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He with was you. too like like innocent, but also like that punk kid kind of. Yeah. Well, like, he was a part of the brat pack. Yeah, I feel like he's exactly his character in Titanic, so... <laughs> <laughs> he's just Jack. <laughs> yeah. IRL. Like, yeah, I kind of think so. Um, um, he's a great actor, though, and it was it was cool that he finally got a an Oscar. Oh, he yeah, he finally yeah, yeah. get an Oscar? Yeah. But it's also kind of like, I don't know, it's just like, why didn't he get this before? It's because it's, it's politics. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's true. No, I know. But um, I also don't know what I'm talking about, so... Do you like Phil Collins? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I'm gonna start using that on people now. <laughs> like, I, I forgot that, and I've heard people drop that line, and like, I knew what it was, but I never like put it together. And then I watched it this time, and I was like, oh no, shit! Like that part's so fucking funny. Huh. And they're listening to In Too Deep, and then all the two girls are like making out on the couch, and he's like dissecting it. Yeah. And then he like, yeah, he dissects Whitney Houston. He dissects uh, Huey Lewis in the news. Which. I love that part too when he does that like shimmy in the raincoat. Oh yeah, and that's, but, like, that's, that's your favorite looking, part of the movie so like, you quote all the time. Yeah, well, oh, what's all the papers? It, you have a dog. Uh, what's with the style section all over the floor? You, you got a dog, a little chow or something? <laughs> God, and his laugh right there is like so obnoxious. <laughs> oh my God, damn! I love and that. Like, oh, why no, do you have, oh, why do you have on a raincoat? <laughs> Which uh, I also love how like the blood kind of splatters perfectly onto, like, just really one side. Like, sure, it splatters a little bit on this side, but on his, mostly his right side, I believe. It does it's give just a... Like it's, all, like, so iconic looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although the picture I always see is... It's kind of all over his face. The whole Gene thing, they go to his house, and, and he says, I'm on a diet, because he gives her the sorbet. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, well, maybe we shouldn't go out then. And you basically watch him, like, deciding how he wants to kill her. Yeah. And then he, he does, like, one of my favorite, uh, like, scenes in a movie where he puts the nail gun up behind her head. And yeah. And there's that shot. I love that shot because it's so, like, dark. It's like, oh, my God. It's kind of suit holding a fucking nail gun to the back of someone's head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the first time in the movie that he is actually... Like, about to kill somebody. Yeah. And that's why he has kind of his breakdown. Hmm. When he sits down and he says, I think you need to leave. Yeah. That's that's the first time in the movie for me that Patrick is actually like, oh, I'm going to do something bad. Well, he also says, though, he's like, he's like, I can't control myself. She thinks he's talking about having like, a, like an affair. Right. And she's like, oh, I can't get mixed up with a married man and uh, or something like that. Or uh, but like, that's the thing is I it, that's it, it's still this like blurry line because, well, the other stuff still could have been real, and that could have just been the one where he's, like, finally, like, like meeting it. And sure. going, like, oh, shit, I'm doing crazy shit. I'm about to do this to somebody that, like, I don't know, maybe he doesn't he doesn't think she deserves it, or he pities her, and so doesn't want to do it, or... It's interesting. Well, see, I hadn't really read past the whole, like, the sexuality of it and, like, my take on it being, like, that's his... Him realizing, like, oh... This is reality, and this is somebody that I see every day, and this could actually affect me if I really do this right now. Because in his mind, he hasn't, like, he doesn't know that he may or may not have killed the people before. Well, and there are also people that, like, like, they're disposable people that don't really matter if he interacts. Like, there's not really much of a connection with him, whereas this is his secretary. And something's going to be weird after they went out together and then she disappeared. And that's the other thing. The only other time that he, like, really knows somebody that he kills is Elizabeth. That one girl. The, Which, the red-haired girl. You know what just dawned on me? In every, like, horror movie, like, or at least the, you know, the classic ones, it was typically, like, the kids that, like, aren't having sex or doing drugs 
and stuff like that, she's that person. Oh, that's funny. She's the um, the final girl. The final girl. Okay, yeah. the, I didn't know if I was gonna. Use, I didn't want to use that incorrectly. The final yeah, girl. Yeah, she's or the survival final girl. girl. Survivor girl. She's the one that's not doing like ridiculous shit. Yeah. Because the the red haired woman, although she's his friend, I think ex girlfriend actually or something. Yeah, I don't really quite um, know. Well, that the other okay. But she's like she wants like coke and stuff and like yeah that that seems weird. He also <laughs> he says tells Christie's her that Christie's cousin. his cousin and then says he wants to watch him bang. Yeah, and she's like, does he do this all the time? I was yeah. like, oh, that's weird. This is a weird scene. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And she like looked like a fucking hawk too. So <laughs> Christie, she looked like Yolandi. Like she uh, that cut dude. <laughs> yeah, but she also looked like a straight she up actually like, she looked like bald eagle. So. She looked like um. Yolandi and Gail the Snail. Like a combo. <laughs> combo breaker, dude. I love Gail the Snail. The Gene-Patrick relationship for me is they are polar opposites on their stance of, like... She sees herself, like, lower than dirt. He's um, He sees himself, like, above everyone else. Totally. So, yeah. And um, her drive being sexuality in a sense because she's trying to like get with him but then ultimately doesn't because she realizes it's a bad thing his being violence they confuse sex and violence the characters are totally opposite in that sense and then for her to be able to walk away from it and then at the end of the movie discover that he is like this crazy person when she goes through (laughs) his planner which his planner has like drawings of like all of the different things we hear him kind of say he's done yeah it looks like one of my sketchbooks from like middle school (laughs) There's like a face in a toilet in one of those. There's drawings. straight up like a naked chick, like upside down, and he like drew everything, and then there's like a knife by her. It's just like a bunch of weird shit. But it's, they're not good, so I mean, it's not it's nothing to write home about. So like, I wonder about that scene. Like, are they implying that she is just finding out that he's crazy, or like that's what I mean? Is they place these little seeds where it's like, is this reality real or not? But that's one of those things where it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean he was killing people, but obviously he was, like, daydreaming about it because he's fucking doodling in his planner about it. Yeah. The last line in this movie is, this confession has meant nothing. And I kind of, like, applaud that, and I think that also adds to my, like, reading of this as being a comedy because it's that whole idea of, like, it's meaningless. It's like that divine comedy, you know? Like, um, tragedy is comedy idea. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of my my major notes on this. I mean, I had I did write a lot down, but a lot of it was just quotes. Well, let's um, hear some. Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat it. Oh, when, God, dude. <laughs> when they're doing, like, the first three yeah, subs. Because he's like, get on your knees so she can see your asshole. Don't touch the watch. When After they've had the threesome yeah. and uh, the Christy girl is, like, sleeping and she, like, kind of moves her arm down. She just, like, barely touches yeah, his watch. Yeah, but at the same time. She's a, you know, she's... No, I know. Well, so lady the, of the night. In the book, the original line was, don't touch the Rolex. And Rolex allowed for them to, like, use a Rolex in the movie, but they were like, don't use her name. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, the implications. You know, he's going to murder this girl. at the same time. Exactly. That's very interesting. That's um, weird. Like, why wouldn't you just be like, no? There's the scene where Gimbal randomly is like, got the new Huey Lewis album. Yeah, and, and he's like... And he's Patrick like, says, uh, yeah, and his response is, Huey's too black-sounding for me. Oh, that's what he says? Yeah. Oh, shit. Although prior he was, like, going on about she how he not, loves him. Well, I mean, he's trying to sever but, that connection. Here's the other thing, too. I don't... And I need to watch him again, but I almost feel like Patrick's uh, analysis of the music in this is wrong. I don't know. It's his opinion. No, I know, but it sounds like he's analyzing it in a way that, like... Makes him, like, right. Like, in a self-righteous way. Like, he's just saying words that may sound like they make sense in order to... And that, like that could work about. with the song, but really it's just him justifying his, like, way of being. Yeah. It's very weird, because when he's talking about Hip to be Square, he's, like, talking about... He's, like, the wonders of conformity. Yeah. And I was like, is that what this song's about? Because I think this song is supposed to be kind of a satire of conformity. Right. In a sense that, like, you know, so that's why square, I was like, like I was like, I don't know. Square. I feel like, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, is he reading these wrong? But like, on purpose, obviously, for like the movie or the book. I feel like he was being real about it, though, as far as it goes. Like, he was like, this is my realest take on it because he'll sit there and like listen to the music and talk about it and 
I feel like he's like legit explaining why why it's so good, but from like a very like kind of uh, executive kind of viewpoint versus like us talking about music and be like, oh, it's riffy, it's heavy. Sure, it's he's, he's looking at it from through his because like, he talks very about like he's lens. like stylistically and commercially or something like that. He's like, I think that was a good, and he's like, their earlier stuff was like too new wave for me and. Um, it's kind of how he talks about the music is interesting and it's cool and it's like oh I love hearing him talk about that but at the same time it's like well some of that has like nothing to do with it like he's kind of just uh, talking about how like they marketed themselves I guess my last one which not quite a quote but when uh, Gene comes in and he's doing the crossword and he's wearing the sunglasses and you see he's just writing in meat and bone huh. into all of the different spots and it doesn't even always fit he'll like it'll be like six spots and he'll just write meat and leave the rest of it at blank and I was like oh that's kind of funny uh, I like when uh, him and Evelyn are at I think this is that end scene at dinner it is because it's after he kills the prostitute and he's coloring with crayons on the fucking paper. They oh, and put he's on drawing the, the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, and Christy, right? Yeah, that, like prostitute. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Like the little shit like that in this movie. But it's like, also just like, who the fuck would like? Would you go draw a fucking murder scene? On, well, maybe I don't know. But that's. Mind. I think that's the point, though. Is like he's confessing this shit to people throughout yeah. the movie, and everybody's just kind of like, well, no, whatever. Because if it really happened, what if? Uh, you know, somebody saw that and they knew who he was, and they're like, this guy was here. But at that's, the same time. That could be the whole thing. It wasn't real, and then he's just drawing it. He's doodling it. That's what I. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's, like I think a lot of this movie is just in Patrick's head. What the fuck is this movie? Yeah, uh, which is like kind of why I love it too. But like, it's like also infuriating because I just want to be able to be like, this is what the movie's about. This is what happens, and this is what it means. But like, it's not that movie though. It's fucking difficult. I'm uh, sure somebody could probably tell you, but then at the same time, it's like, well, how do we really know if you're right or not? So, what's your review on this movie, my man? Out of what? Oh yeah. Well, we don't you have get to, to do pick. Any, we don't have you, to do anything goofy. You did. It was your pick this week, so you get to pick. <sighs> you mean I have to pick? Um, Business cards. There we go. Um, out of five, though, yeah. that's all he's asking. Like, is it out of five? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. always out of. Five. We usually do it out of five. Always out of five. Always out of five. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, I'll give it a four because uh, I don't know. I just enjoy this movie. It can be kind of hard to watch, not in the sense that, like, it's like, oh, this is gruesome, but just because it's like, what the fuck is happening? And I feel like it probably loses a lot of people. But, like, it's interesting if you really pay attention to all of it. And, like you said, point out the the funny little quirks about it and those little things. And then also trying to piece together, like, fuck, is he actually just... I mean, that's the thing. He's an American psycho, and (laughs) that's the whole movie. it's like, is he just like a psychopath or like in a literal way or like in this uh, more, I don't know. Like societal business way. Eh, that's not really what I was trying to say. Uh, well, I, I guess either way, I mean, literally, I guess I meant like, <laughs> I was going to say Is mentally? he like literally killing people or is he just like a lunatic? Thinking right, about right. It? Is he just uh, like hallucinating or not even necessarily hallucinating, but um, like delusional? Right. Yeah, sure. Um, would you recommend it? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. My answer lately for that is just kind of like, it depends on the person. Sure. Like, there's, if one (laughs) of our friends had never seen it, I would probably be like, uh, a certain friend, um, I'd probably be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I think you should see this. Sure. But then if, like, if my mom came up to me and was like, should I watch it? Just knowing my mom, I'd be like, no. Sure. (laughs) But at the same time, I watched it with her, like, the first time I ever saw it, so... And she probably likes it, or liked it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I think it was... I, I don't think she actually did like it that much. I, I think she was just kind of like, eh. I'm actually going to give this movie four and a half out of five stars. Okay. I I really like this movie. I, um, I love that it kind of dates itself, because I think that actually works in favor of the movie, because of what it's trying to imply and what it's talking about, because it is... At least in this case, it's specifically talking about a specific culture at a specific time with these people. Uh, the The fact that it does carry on and still work is just adds to it for me. Mm-hmm. I like that the movie doesn't really tell you what does or doesn't happen at the end. If you listen to this podcast, yes, I recommend this movie to you. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what it, I'll it, say. So I'm going four and a half out of five business cards nice. this week. I got um, four. If you guys like the show, remember to subscribe. Go follow us on Instagram at W-A-W-W-T-Pod. That is Why Are We Watching This Podcast. 
you know, stay tuned. Next week we're going to put another episode out every week. All right. Well, I guess this uh, vouches for a uh, peace, bitches. bitches. <laughs> Watching this.